Hello and welcome to Love Shape Life podcast. With me today is Abby Owens. Abby, we want to welcome you to our podcast. Thank you for having me. Abby is gracious enough to share her story with us. We all have a story to tell, a long life journey, about how God has impacted our life. And oftentimes we don't even realize that God is working in our life to perhaps a, a later time where we look back. So today, Abby's going to share her story, and we hope uh, that uh, those who are listening to this podcast will find hope and encouragement in a God that truly is love. Abby, share with us a little bit about your background, how you were raised, what that environment was like for you. Well, I was raised in a Christian environment. My dad was a pastor. Um, we lived in a, a community that everyone shared the same beliefs. Um, but unfortunately, my home was a dysfunctional one. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents had a lot of issues. There were rumors of infidelity and... Um, uh, my dad, being a, a minister, uh, he kept it very private and tried very hard to work on the marriage and save the marriage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But us, the kids, we felt um, the dysfunction. You know, mm -hmm. we were affected by that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you it, know, I, it, I love my parents a lot, and I don't want to um, put them down in any way. I'm trying to um, tell the story, but... But by what happened, my mom was also a product of, of what was done to her. Mm -hmm. um, she was married very young and married someone much older and had four kids. Mm -hmm. um, she was married at 16. So she was kind of a child, uh, you know, mm -hmm. raising children. So just to back up a little bit, mm -hmm. Abby. So we we're talking about infidelity, right? Yes. Your dad was a pastor and your dad was trying to protect the the family and protect the church environment and so on. So the infidelity part was on your mom's part, correct? correct. On your dad's part. So also then in regard to what was happening with you uh, in your journey, right? You were seeing all of this happening and it was affecting you. You know, as a young kid, I knew something was wrong at home, but you don't know any different um, but I was lucky enough that I, I, like I said, we lived in a community that was all Christians. I went to a Christian school. There, there was a church. There was a hospital. So I was around, you know, Christian people. So I saw really good, decent people. Mm -hmm. But in my home, um, I saw something different. Mm -hmm. And so that started confusing me mm -hmm. of, you know, who God is, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very difficult thing when we're communicating one thing and then at home we're seeing something different, you know, because, you know, actions speak louder than words, so to speak. So, right. and as a child, you're just looking at your parents and um, because that's, they become, um, they're taking the place of God in a, in a, in a human world, right? right? Like you're looking up to them. They're not, right. you're not looking at them as God, but they are taking the place of God because they're speaking in his name. Yeah. So. And my dad had the burden because he, he tried to be a man of God and he would get up and preach and mm -hmm. then have to deal with this. Mm -hmm. So I know that he was trying to maintain his home and, um, you know, his family, his wife and, and that perception that people have. If you're having issues at home, it doesn't look right. Mm -hmm. So he mm -hmm. kept it very private. So oh. we weren't allowed to share that. It's a very difficult position for him to be in. Yes. He's trying to help people and rescue them, and he's trying to rescue his own family as well. Right, mm -hmm. right. Mm 
you know, when you're having problems like this in the home, um, you kind of get lost because your parents are fighting constantly and mm -hmm. they take it for granted that you're okay, but you're not. You're witnessing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So it was not uh, a happy home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you shared with me before that you were 14 years old when you moved from Puerto Rico and then you moved to Orlando, Florida. We moved um, to Orlando and this was a, a decision that was made overnight. Um, my dad just decided to pack up the house and we had no warning and we uh, had to pack our bags and leave everything behind. Mm -hmm. So it was quite shocking to us as, uh, being in another you know, United States and learning the language and... Um, I, I feel like the, the minute we moved here, our family completely fell apart. Mm -hmm. My older brothers uh, left to the army, and it was just me and my younger brother, but the problems continued, and they got worse. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. bad that by the age of 16, I did try to commit suicide mm -hmm. and um, ran away from home, did everything, you know, to avoid living there. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, yeah. so Abby, obviously, you know, you mentioned you moved from Puerto Rico to the United States and then your life, the family life really began to fall apart. And then at 16 years old, which was just two years after you had moved here, uh, you were, you know, s s trying to commit suicide. Yeah. I mean, where were you at, at that point, emotionally and mentally? And I hated my life at that point, because I left my family in Puerto Rico, the support system that I had, my my family was gone, mm -hmm. and my parents didn't have the time for us. They were just, you know, miserable with each other, um, and still going to church, and still, you know, trying to uh, do the religious stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I felt confused and miserable, and I just didn't want to be here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So where did you go from there? I mean, what was life like for you? You went to an academy, you told me, and that was a, a positive influence in your Eventually, life? Eventually, I went to a, a, um, an academy where I was actually a dorm student, and I had a great positive uh, experience there. I was able to go home with other students and see what their families were like, and uh, I got to see what real cr Christian families were. So I was really... Um, it was eye-opening for me to see how different it was than my family. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. uh, it was a positive experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's good. That's good. Yeah. So, you know, what was church life like for you? I mean, your dad was uh, a pastor and he was leading. And so what was it like for you sitting in the pew and going to church every week, but yet knowing at home things weren't right? And I enjoyed church. I think after a while you kind of get used to it that this is what you're seeing at home and and even though you're seeing two sides, um, I, it didn't hit me then till mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I would say that my view of God was more of a dominant God. I did not see a God of love. That wasn't. I I didn't hear that that much. Mm -hmm. It was more mostly the rules and. So that's mm -hmm. what I knew of God. Yeah. You have to do all these things for him to love you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Share with me a little bit more about that. You said in your perception of God was you had to do all these things in order for him to love you. Can you, can you expound on that a little bit? 
Definitely. I think you have to, you have all these rules that you have to keep in order to become more holy. And the holier you get, the better, the closer you are to God. Mm-hmm. That was my view as a, as a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're, you're on your journey, you're at church in the United States. You shared with me a major change that happened in your life when you turned 18 years old. What was that all about? Uh, when I was 18 years old, um, I was seeing a guy. We were friends. We kind of liked each other, but I didn't consider him a boyfriend. And, and, and just to be clear, this is not somebody outside the church. This is somebody inside the church. We actually went to academy together. Oh, you so went to academy he, together. Yeah, okay. so he was someone that I knew that was born and raised in church the same way that I was. Mm-hmm. And um, we were uh, kind of seeing each other, and one night um, he just took advantage of me. I really tried to fight it, and um, it just happened. He, he did take advantage of me. I didn't realize at the time that it's considered date date rape. Mm-hmm. I did mm-hmm. not know. I thought it's kind of somebody I like and maybe I did something and it didn't sink in that what really happened mm-hmm. till years later. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I didn't tell anyone. I was really scared to tell anyone, but uh, the results of that was I got pregnant. Mm-hmm. So um, eventually I had to tell my parents mm-hmm. and um, when I did, they, of course, didn't take it well. And um, the first thing they said, they needed to take this up to the church. So let me stop you there for a moment. So you you, you get what date rape, date raped, right? So you get date raped and you, um, you end up being pregnant, right? Yes. And you had shared with me earlier that from your journey, uh, from your Christian values, you were actually saving yourself for marriage. So this was a huge thing for you emotionally yes. and mentally. Yes. Right. I just f- felt like this is something sacred that you want to wait um, mm-hmm. till you're married. And that's what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. So when that took place, I felt defiled. I felt dirty. I felt ashamed. Mm-hmm. But eventually, I had to tell my parents what happened. Or not, not about the rape. They never, I never had the nerve to tell them that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So leading up to telling your parents, you, you, you finally get the courage to tell your parents because you felt you had to do that. And then you mentioned the first thing that seemed to come out of your parents' mouth was, "We need to bring it to the church board." They were so upset, but the. What I remember was more what the church would say. And they did take it immediately to the church. And I was um, disfellowship. Is that the right word? Yeah, that's the right word. And um, they never spoke to me, never counseled me, never prayed with me. No one from the church spoke to me. And so I was really hurt by that because I did enjoy going to church. Mm-hmm. And um, that just made the way that I was feeling even worse. Mm-hmm. So, so let's just back up a, a, a moment here. So they, they go to the church board, they bring it to the church board, and nobody's coming to see you. Nobody's coming to express uh, anything to you, and you get disfellowship. 
And just to clarify for the listening audience, this fellowship is when you're not uh, no you're, you're, you're no longer a member of that church. They they will say they still welcome you, yeah. but the attitude and and what is conveyed oftentimes says something different. Yeah, I mean, I was 18 years old, and I wanted my church family, and they made me feel I didn't belong there. You know, I was a sinner, and you know, my belly was growing, and how dare you? We don't, they don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. So it just made all the feelings that I was feeling from what happened 10 times worse. What were you hoping, Abby, when you told your parents? What were you hoping would happen? I wish my parents would have come to me and said that everything was going to be okay. And we'll handle it and pray with me and, you know, try to find out what happened. Hmm. And um, instead of just assuming that I did something, you know, Mm-hmm. Worse, mm-hmm. they didn't know what happened, what took place. I wasn't mm. a bad girl, yeah, you know, and and um, so I, I just wish they would have handled it different and, and spoke to me, and and that never happened. Yeah, what's what's really interesting about the story, Abby, is because beneath you was this date rape experience that nobody took the time to care or listen to you to see if something did happen like that. Uh, and just kind of moved it along in a process uh, of disfellowshipping you from from a church uh, family, and and you know it's a yeah. very difficult thing to go through. But, you know, I think it goes back to when I did try to commit suicide. I remember that that was never spoken about again. They went. I went to the hospital. They pumped my stomach. Um, they did suggest some psyche uh, to put me in a psyche ward, and my my dad worked at the hospital at that time, and he was able to um, get me out of that. So I never went and got any counseling. So that was never spoken about. Mm. So I already felt like they're not going to want to get to the bottom of this. So why speak about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was very ashamed of it. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to share that. Yeah. So that you mentioned the word shame. Uh, you felt ashamed. You felt guilty. You felt really rejected. And, uh, what else was going through your mind? I mean, that's a, that's a very traumatic experience for a young person to go through. You have a, a, a baby in your womb. Uh, you're about to uh, give birth, you know, and you're going to have a child. And it's a very major change in your life. But then you have this side of uh, feeling rejected and so on? You know, I felt the way they were treating me that God was treating me the Mm -hmm. same way. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I was worthy of being forgiven, that what what had happened and what I had done was so bad that, in other words, I wasn't good enough to stand in the presence of God and ask for forgiveness or... I just had this view of him turning his back. Mm-hmm. If the church is doing that, God is doing that to me too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was my my train of thought. Yeah, it, it's it's your picture of God was was turning in that direction. Yeah, um, even stronger that um, you weren't holy enough, you weren't good enough. You said you weren't even worthy to get away in His presence and ask for forgiveness. 
You know, it's a horrible feeling. It's it, horrible. It, it is because I know my parents love love me, but at the, they were just so consumed with their own stuff that they just didn't know how to handle this. Yeah. And and my dad tried to maintain the standard with the church that that meant everything to him. So share with us about you know um, after decision was made by the board that you're disfellowshipped. I mean, what was happening in your home? Uh, uh, at that point with your mom and dad and you know nothing changed they were still having their issues um they eventually embraced the pregnancy i was going to have a child um i did try to go back to church and i just didn't feel comfortable with the judgment and um people you know treating me like i was uh a low-life sinner and mm-hmm. i didn't belong there so when you went back to church, it was that after you had the baby? I, I did go when I was, you know, pregnant and after the baby, and mm-hmm. it was really the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so where did you end up? Did you end up deciding that uh, I just can't go to church anymore? I mean, I decided I'm done. I just didn't want to feel um, how I was treated, so I stopped. I stopped going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it took many years before I came back. Yeah. Well, that's a sad, yeah. uh, really a sad situation. So you have this uh, young man, right? Um, and and you're, what was happening with him? Did he get punished? Did he get this fellowship? He did not get punished. And he was uh, already doing things that were not, you know, according to our church. He was starting to party and doing things that I knew wasn't good. So I was really hesitant to have anything else to do with him. Um, but my parents really wanted me to make this right and get married mm-hmm. and um, not have a child out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. But it, it took about a year and a half before I made that decision. Mm-hmm. So you ended up getting married. We did. Uh, about a year and a half yeah. uh, after the baby was born? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Can- I thought... Maybe there's a chance. Maybe the baby can change him. Mm-hmm. But no, everything got worse. So you were hoping that the marriage and, and, and then the baby would help change the relationship and change yeah. him and, and change make him, it better. Yeah. What was your desire? Uh, obviously, you had felt like, you know, pushed away from God, so to speak, like you weren't worthy to stand in his presence because the picture that you had of God that was given to you. Uh, what was your hope, though? Was your hope to just live, uh, live, have God back in your life? And did you have hope? Of- oh, man, I got, I, I don't know. I just had such a bad experience. I felt like I just didn't need church. Mm-hmm. And I felt rejected by God, too. So I didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just going to go on living and mm-hmm. do the best I could. Yeah. Now, it's very sad. I have to tell you, it's a very sad situation. Unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of people who find themselves in the same positions, whether it's at a church or being rejected by a family because of circumstances or situations, you know. So you end up getting married uh, to this young man. And, and so what was the marriage like? It was terrible right from the beginning. Um, when I got married to him, he was already um, doing quite a bit of partying. He was messing with drugs and alcohol. Um, he couldn't keep a job, so I'm working. 
we're arguing a lot. I mean, I'm financially, we're having a hard time. I'm the only one working. Um, so we started arguing, and then um, it started getting physical. And I mean, he was beating me quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And once again, I was so afraid to tell my parents. And um, eventually it got really bad, and I did go to my parents, and I was all black and blue. And my mm. parents, my my dad especially, he he thought, well, you have a big mouth, you to learn to keep your mouth shut and you know there's something you're doing wrong Mm. and so i didn't have the support of my parents well let's just stop for a little bit and for a moment and unpack this a little bit so in the relationship with your husband who is now your husband uh he's partying you're working um and then there's there's arguments over money and and probably a lot of other arguments about Mm. other issues so uh it gets to the point that yeah, you mentioned physical abuse. Yes. You had bruises on you. Yes. So it must have been some pretty bad physical it, abuse going on. It can was you bad. can you share with us a little yeah. bit about that? Uh, oh my goodness. I had black eyes. I had I got a scar on my lip from him busting my mouth. And I mean there was one time that he nearly killed me. Mm-hmm. He went got drunk and came and knocked my door down. I was already, I had left him. I did try to leave him. I left him and I, it was me and my son and he knocked the door down and came in and grabbed me and I'm banging on the door so neighbors could hear me and no one heard anything. So I was able to run out of the house and until someone called the cops. But I remember they arrested him and I had, marks where he tried to strangle me i Mm. i was Mm. i was beat up pretty bad Mm -hmm. so these beatings uh this was fairly regular in your marriage it was very regular Mm -hmm. but every time i left him he would say he would change and that he loved me so once again this love word has me confused again Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you love me but you hit me and you don't display any love you're yeah. going out, you're doing things, you're womanizing, you're doing all of that. So I had issues with that. I had issues with, did God really love me? Did my parents, my husband? And so I was really lost. <laughs> and, and understandably lost, Abby. And, you know, uh, the sad story it goes back to being rejected uh, by what was happening you earlier in your life, and now you're living out this rejection, only it ends up in a, a worse situation. So your confusion uh, is is getting worse. I mean, you're being abused, you're being physically abused, but uh, you're I'm sure you're being verbally abused oh, yeah. uh, as well. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So can you unpack a little bit for us? You know this. You know, you talked about you're confused about love and not sure, and because when somebody's going through an abusive relationship. Uh, they get very confused, right? The, the yeah. abuser oftentimes is uh, the typical behavior. They're apologizing after they abuse you. They're telling you that they love you, that they want you back, and then they just repeat the cycle. Yes. I, well, you know, you start taking it personal. You, you feel like you've caused these arguments, you've caused the fight, and in some way you kind of deserve it. Maybe I should have shut up. Maybe I shouldn't have, you know, gotten in his face. And so you start thinking you're the cause mm. and you your wow. self-esteem takes such a beating i mean i would i felt worthless 
Mm-hmm. I really hit rock bottom about myself. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting because somewhere along the way, and this is now looking back, when I questioned where God was, he was really there all the time hmm. because he did put several people in my lifetime that were there to help me, whether it was to give me money so that I could leave him. And so things like that happened through those years that mm-hmm. someone would come and help me and I was able to leave him. And finally, I, I, I eventually did. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. And praise God for that, yeah. that he was putting people in your pathway. Um, but Abby, as you're sharing about how you're... You know, uh, here you are being the one that's being abused, right? Yeah. You're being uh, verbally abused. You're being physically abused. And this is like some major abuse, right? It was major. B- black eyes, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, uh, being strangled. Feel like he's, he could have killed you. Black eyes, but, like unbelievable. But yeah. yet the psyche uh, in our human mind, we go into you're your blaming yourself. You know, you're, yeah. you're right? You're blaming yourself. You're... Um, thinking it's your fault. Maybe I should have gotten in his face. Can you share a little bit more about really what was happening there in your mind? I mean, because it yeah. seems so strange from people looking that are not in an abusive relationship uh, to, to understand how could you even think that way because somebody's abusing you. Yeah. It, it's, it comes from the home. You know, not feeling loved or... It, I know they love me, but they didn't, sh- they didn't express it. I've never heard those words. And it was like, when you treat it that way, you settle for something less. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. And so looking mm-hmm. back, that's, that's how... And, and also, you're, oh, you're also hopeful that this person's going to change. Mm. That you have a, a child, a beautiful mm. baby that, you mm. know, how could he not want to change? And he would say those things, but he wouldn't, wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if I would have had a different background, I wouldn't have stayed that long. Mm-hmm. I, that, that went on for 12 years. Wow. Way too long. Wow. In fact, I feel responsible for allowing my little boy to witness some of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So your children were witnessing the abuse as well. Yeah, my son witnessed some, a mm-hmm. lot of that. The physical abuse as well. Yeah. Hmm. It's a lot to go through, Abby. I mean, thank you for sharing your story as we go through this journey with you. You mentioned how that you eventually head home and tell your parents and your father responds to you with, well, perhaps uh, it's your fault. Yeah, and that was was in the very beginning. He just thought that I was the trouble because I had a big mouth and I would talk back. Um, But as years went by, and he saw how hard I was really trying to save this marriage and that I was working, that he was not, and that he was doing all these drugs and stuff. Then my dad realized, okay, this guy's mm-hmm. really hitting my daughter. And mm-hmm. then, of course, they, they want to protect me and, and they didn't like him. Mm-hmm. But it took a while. Mm-hmm. It took a while for, for them to intervene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at this point... Uh, you know, 12 years of marriage. How many children did you have during that period? Um, I ended up having two. Um, I really did not want any more children with him. Mm-hmm. I, I just did not. Um, but I had some issues with um, um, the birth control, and I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, I just had this sense of wanting to protect her, and I didn't want another child to witness 
this abuse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I did give him the ultimatum and I said, you know, if we're going to have this child, I am just not going to do this again. I'm not going to put up with any more. He promised, he promised that he would never do that. He tried for a little while. And when she was six months old, he hit me one more time. And that was the last time. Mm -hmm. So you left. I did leave. And where did you go from there? I got an apartment. Again, some friends helped me and they gave me the money to get an Mm -hmm. apartment. And Mm -hmm. um, I, I stayed away. He tried. He tried to get me back and caused a lot of problems, but um, I was done. I was. Mm-hmm. I wanted something different. Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. want my daughter to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you ended up getting divorced. We did. Mm-hmm. And how old were the children at that point? My son was seven, and my daughter was under a year old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So here you are, a single mom, yeah. right? You're you're obviously working to pay the rent and take care of your children. That must have been a lot for you to go through. Uh, Where were you at emotionally? I mean, that's, uh, you've been abused physically, emotionally for 12 years, and here you are, you know. I was now in survival. Survival mode, (laughs) mode, right? Yes. That's okay. And um, because now I have two kids, and I need to, you know, fight for them and get on my feet, and I wanted to prove to myself that I could do that. And so that's what I did. I was working two, three jobs and um, trying to provide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and where were you thinking in regard to God at that point? Was God in the picture at all then, or or mm-hmm. you still just God struggling was, with it all? And, God was still not in the picture. Mm-hmm. He was in the picture, but he wasn't in the picture of you perceiving that. All right yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. You're still going through that journey. Again, this is your story, right? Yeah. This is your story. So, uh, Abby, life goes on. You're a single mom. And and so where did life take you from there? Well, um, um, later on, I went to karate school where I met my second husband. Mm-hmm. And um, you took up karate. I took karate. Now, this is the first time? First time ever. Wow. And wow. Um, I just wasn't feeling good about myself. I felt, you mm-hmm. know, my self-esteem was you know, rock bottom. I felt, um, not attractive. Uh, I had gained weight with my daughter. I had been so badly abused physically and emotionally that, um, this made me feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. It was something that I had so much anger mm, I'm sure. and doing karate kind of was an outlet for me. Mm, and yeah. so, um, it's funny because I really needed God, but I found an outlet and mm-hmm. it wasn't able to heal me, but it gave me, it provided some, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, some relief. Some relief. Uh, you were getting your anger out. Yes. How did karate go for you? I mean, where did you go with karate? I just did loved you? it and I was so dedicated and I went really far. How I far just, did you go? I went to a second degree black belt, four national wow. championships. Wow. And you were yeah. really getting a lot of anger out. I did. Yum. I did. It was good for me. I Yum. got in shape and I felt um, more disciplined mm-hmm. and it just made me feel stronger. So So did you compete? I competed a lot. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And I married the instructor, so I had a, a, a new husband. Oh. Yeah. And so you got married again for, yes. for the second time. And how did that go? You know, it was, it was good. He was uh, not an abuser. Hmm. to me um and 
everything seemed really good for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you was, must have felt protected. I mean, you. Have I felt a, very uh, protected. He he was uh, very good to my children. Um, so I felt like I finally have a happy home. Nice. He was older than me, so I felt again I have more of a man than a child. Mm-hmm. And um, he, like I said, he was good to me. I didn't see too much wrong in the beginning till mm-hmm. later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happened later on? You're, you're... Well, later on, as years went on, we had uh, uh, we had built our business. We had a, a karate school in, in town and. My world was flipped upside down. Something really bad happened. Um, I had taken a family member in our home, and my second husband got accused of molesting her. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in shock because the girl had had other previous situations, so I was careful with her. So I had a hard time believing that this could happen because I never left her alone with him Mm -hmm. never Mm -hmm. so i couldn't wrap myself like when did this happen Mm -hmm. but anyway make a long story short this was something very public it was in every newspaper every uh news on tv Mm -hmm. and um i was public humiliated i didn't know what to do do i stand by him is true is it not true uh, never had an opportunity to speak to my niece again um, because they, they took her from our home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was battling with this, and this mm-hmm. took a while to go to court. And we go to court, and he gets convicted. And he goes to prison for 14 years. Wow, wow, 14 years. And that was mm-hmm. the first time that I started talking to God. And it was more in anger mm-hmm. of, you know, where are you? I mean, how much more can I take? Mm-hmm. My world just crumbled. My children are affected by this. Mm-hmm. And um, I just didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in this dream, I'm yelling at God and questioning, where is he? And I, in the dream, a voice uh, comes out speaking and saying, you know, I have never left you alone. And if you open your eyes and you, because I felt like I was in this pit, this bottomless pit mm-hmm. that was dark and dirty and full mm-hmm. of dirt. And I didn't see a way out. Mm-hmm. But in this dream, he's telling me, if you just open your eyes and, and move the dirt, you'll see that there's some stones that you can crawl yourself out of that hole. So the next morning I couldn't figure out what this dream meant. But the first thing I did was I closed my business, my karate school. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt at that time it was something that was becoming a negative energy. My husband's in prison. I walk away from my business. My child is, my daughter's upset. The person that raised her is in prison. She's angry at me. My son's out in the world doing drugs. So, so Abby, just to stop here for a moment, how old are the children at this point? By then, my son's like 21 and my daughter's 13. Okay. So my whole family's just completely falling apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I knew that I was living wrong. I knew that I was doing things on my own. Mm-hmm. I didn't have God in my life. And for the first time, even though I'm 
angry at him mm-hmm. because I'm blaming him. But I also felt this need that I needed him in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this was rock bottom for me. Rock bottom. I was financially bankrupt. I was a mess. And um, so I'm by myself and I'm trying to figure out what's, what's, what to do next. Mm-hmm. And again, God sends people my way. That was incredible. I was losing my home. Um, and I got a job at a gym and I'm doing little side jobs. And at this gym um, that I was working, I just told my, my boss, you know, I'll mop the floors, I'll do whatever, but I need extra hours. Wow. And so, because I shared with her what was going on in my life. Mm-hmm. She went and told all my coworkers and they all started collecting money. Wow. And I had envelopes of cash every single month mm. anonymously. That's beautiful. And it was just enough money that I didn't lose my home. Hmm. And so that, that was God, but I'm still not seeing. Yeah, sure. You know, there's just mm-hmm. good people. I, I don't see God working behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, life went on like that for a few more years. And then um, I finally met my husband, uh, my third husband, Tom. And that's when my life started changing. Mm-hmm. Um I still had not gone back to church. Mm-hmm. I um, never talked to him about God. Um, we just got together and he was a great person, but mm-hmm. we never spoke about God mm-hmm. or church. Mm-hmm. But I had started to pray and I was praying for my son. My son was out in the world and you know messing himself up with drugs and alcohol. I was praying for him, but not going to church. Mm-hmm. And so just out of the clear one day, he decides to you know, start seeking and changing his life. And he uh, starts doing it, and I'm witnessing a miracle mm-hmm. that I've never seen. So that was wow. the first Praise time God. that God's revealing to me who he is. To mm. me, that was like so powerful. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and then my son's inviting me to come to church. Hmm. And I'm still hesitant. I don't want to go back to church. I don't mind God, but now I don't really care for the church environment. Mm-hmm. But my son um, was begging me to come back. And I'm watching wow. him change yeah. and transform his life. So I basically said, okay, God, if you can do that for him, maybe you can do that for me. Hmm. Beautiful. And, and that's what I said. And I started going to church with him mm-hmm. and um, learning and the messages were so strong. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and I was in tears and being moved. And I wanted to change my life, but I had a problem. I never shared with my husband my beliefs or nothing. Mm-hmm. And now I'm concerned about um, making a commitment um, and maybe losing my marriage. Mm-hmm. We were, you know, partying, we were doing all kinds of stuff, and um, I felt like this was going to affect my marriage. Mm-hmm. So I just kept going and learning and growing, and finally I decided, you know what, I'm going to um, speak to him, and I'm going to put God first this time. Mm-hmm. I-, I was really convicted in doing this. Mm-hmm. 
So I sat down with my husband and I told him, you know, I want to, you know, pursue this. And I explained to him my beliefs, not in the best way, but he just didn't have a problem with it. And she said, okay, I can support that. And um, so I invited him to come to church. He's like, no, no, that's okay. Church is not for me. And um, he promised maybe once a month. Mm -hmm. And once a month became a a regular. And um, the three of us were baptized. Wow, Um, My son and I were baptized together. Wow, that's beautiful. Later on, my my husband. and um, Yeah, that's beautiful. Praise God. Yeah. So you mentioned some things about how that God was using your son. He was he was touching your son's life. You were praying for your son. Yeah. And all of a sudden your son starts to make changes in his life and you're seeing God working in your son's life. Yeah. And then God is using your son to start working on you. Yeah. I mean God is working on you, but then he's using your son to say, "Hey mom, come with me," you know? And you're witnessing this beautiful transformation in your son's life. And then uh, you end up back in church and, you know, you start yeah. to see more of a picture of God. Share with me the contrast of the picture of God that you're seeing now at this point in your life compared to when you're a child. You explained that to us uh, earlier about how you saw God and how you felt rejected. But now how are you seeing God? You know, when I started coming back to church, I, I had such a revelation because I felt like God, that was a God that was pursuing me. Hmm. And I never saw that. Beautiful. And it's, that's the truth. That's who he is. And then I started um, being so grateful. Um, even the bad experiences because it led me somewhere else. And hmm. even the son that was, you know, that, I had a wedlock that went, witnessed so many things. God used him to bring me back. Beautiful. So to me, that Amen. was like a miracle. And I think he, he, that by doing that, it just restored my faith. Because mm-hmm. it had been a long time that I had seen yeah. anything great like that. Mm-hmm. So Beautiful. So it was really starting, God was opening your eyes to see him. Yeah. Right? And how, like you had mentioned... He never abandoned you at all. Never. He was with you, but it was through your hurts and pains, and rightfully so, of what you were going through that was uh, a roadblock from you seeing God, right? And that happens. That happens. That's the journey of life, you know? We, get, we go through th- different pathways, and of course the devil is there to try to do our best to paint a picture of God that he's this angry God and we have to live up to his standards and if we're not holy enough we're not going to be accepted in his sight and now you're seeing a picture of God that that he loves you even in your unholiness to seek to bring you out to make you holy yeah you see what I'm saying so his love uh transcends so to speak that darkness his love penetrated you and you responded to that love that's a beautiful thing could you like elaborate a little bit more on that for us because that's that's the moment and you know well you know my view of god was that he wasn't approachable and now he's so approachable even if you fall short mm-hmm. you can come to him and and talk to him he's not going to turn his back because he wants the best for you mm-hmm. you he's always the only person that's going to be with open arms mm. And so that, that picture changed and 
oh, I don't see him as a dominant, you know, mad God. Like it was like I portrayed, you know, from the Old Testament Mm -hmm. and just, I just see him as my friend and Mm -hmm. someone that I can go to. Yeah, that's beautiful. So really, when you look at the Bible and you go through the Bible, would you say that, you know, God's always been faithful to you? Always. Uh, Always. You know, always Always. been faithful to you. And and he's faithful to every human being. Yeah. Uh, You know, unfortunately, you know, sometimes uh, even his professed followers uh, misrepresent him, you know, and send us down down a wrong road. Abby, if you could share with people that are listening today if they're in a similar circumstances or whatever place of darkness they find themselves in um uh, you know going back from what you went through in childhood and then you know marrying this gentleman and all the abuse i mean the physical abuse the mental abuse what would you want to to share with them about god you know Oh, I think God has a plan for each and every one of us. And all the bad things and negative things that happen to us, none of it comes from God. None of it. Mm-hmm. Some of it's our choices in just life, the sinful world. Mm-hmm. But none of that bad stuff is from Him. And to not give up, to pursue looking for Him and mm-hmm. to at least you know be connected by prayer and a support system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, Abby, back to the to you know what we would say to people: um, if you saw somebody that got pregnant today uh, mm-hmm. out of wedlock, how would you respond to them? I would put my arms around that girl, and I would try to have a relationship and be of help instead of coming across judgmental. Get to know that person mm-hmm. and and support them. Mm-hmm. and help them through that journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you whisper in their ear uh, to give them hope? What would that you God tell loves them? her. Mm, beautiful. That God loves her. Amen. Yeah. That, that, that shame that she's feeling, that dirtiness that she's feeling, that... Don't listen to those, those voices. That, that is not from God. Those, those negative things is the enemy that puts that in your mind so that you can blame God. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I like Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 1. It says, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. You know, there's no condemnation. No. Uh, God wants to forgive us all. God wants to remove our guilt. God wants to remove our shame. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He died to, with all of our guilt and shame. You know, and that's God. Yeah. The beautiful picture as you look at the cross, you see a God that truly is love yeah. and gives everything. Gave everything for us that he might save us from this curse of sin. Uh, but he's giving everything for us, even today, trying to, to reach out to us. I really like the point in your story where you're, you're looking back now and you're seeing how God put people in your life, uh, people that you didn't know that were putting money together to help pay your mortgage, you know, people Angels, that stepped, yeah. stepped into your life. And now yeah. you look back and you see the hand of God yeah. was there for you. Yeah. What would you say to people, Abby, that are in that zone right now, that perhaps are in that angry zone with God, and they're blaming God? Again, you mentioned don't give up, but uh, what, what do you think could help shift their, their, their perception uh, of God? Yeah, it's, it's not God that causes us or brings this to us, these, these uh, negative situations. And, you know, it's not God. 
Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, he created us and it's not to put us through difficult times, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he might allow things to happen, but it's always for something greater and bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think um, we forget, we want to blame God, but there's two forces. Mm-hmm. We never blame the, the devil. Mm-hmm. We put blame on God. And ourselves. And ourselves. Yeah. And ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. Abby, you know, you mentioned in your story, I'm, I'm just recapping a little bit. You mentioned in your story that uh, when you did get pregnant and you felt rejected, you saw things in this individual that uh, were warning signs that perhaps yeah. you shouldn't get married to him. And you were struggling with that. Yeah. And then you had the pressure from your parents to marry. If you had a chance to live that again, would you have made a different choice? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. No. You know, and I think it's because I didn't have God in me, so I was making decisions, me. I can work on this. I can try to save this marriage. You know, so it was I. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't give this, I didn't release this to God. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't trust him yet. Yeah. So I was just trying try to do everything on my own. Mm-hmm. So you would have made, perhaps, just to say, you know what, trust in God. Uh, Yeah. Make a decision on your own, right? Even though you felt others were pushing you into something and maybe go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's difficult for all of us to come to the point of making solid decisions. Um, But it's very important for us, I think, to look at where these decisions are leading us. Yeah, and it's... um I mean, God's done a lot in my life, and I have been able to forgive my parents. I don't blame them mm-hmm. um, for anything that's happened. Um, and I have I restored a, a relationship with both of them. Beautiful. You know, my dad's passed now, but I can understand what happened to them. Mm-hmm. And there, you have to, like, reframe yeah. what's happened to my Reframing. mom, my dad. No. So it's helped me understand. And I think... If I've learned anything is to be compassionate for those that are going through things because I've been through that and I mm-hmm. know what it's like. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I want to be the better person and not, you know, I take responsibility for sure everything I did. Sure. <laughs> but you mentioned the word reframe, which is yeah. a, a good word to use. So as you've seen God change your life and how he's worked in you, now you've refrain, you're reframing how you're looking at yes. uh, your parents and other people along the way. And I think that's so important for, for all of us to, as we've been forgiven, that God would have us turn around and have compassion and forgiveness on those perhaps that, uh, you know, have done us wrong or, yeah. or thought they were doing the right thing, even though maybe it wasn't the right thing and did us wrong, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, to be bitter about something and to hold grudges is poison. And I just don't want that in my life. And, you know, I, I love God and I want to do things that, you know, please him. And I had to learn to, you know, forgive my parents. And I did a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. How about those who abused you along the way, Abby? Uh, I don't have any resentment in my heart, honestly. No. I, I'm in a good place in my life that is so past tense. I don't, I don't wish them anything. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, nothing. Yeah. Well, just looking at your face, it seems to be glowing when you talk about that, Abby. It looks like what I see is a person who's free. 
yeah. free in their heart that God has set you free. Yeah. You know, and that's the beauty. And I think that those who are listening to this story, you know, remembering that the God of heaven wants to set us all free from anger, from bitterness, from resentment, from whatever's holding us back, because those are poisons, like you mentioned. Yeah, they are. Uh, but so he wants to set us free and fill us with his love. And uh, like this podcast is called Love Shaped Life, so that God continues to shape all of us to love like him. Amen. You know. And that's what it takes. It takes love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So share with us briefly in closing, because we're closing out, you know, what's life like? For you now with you and your current husband and you know i've made a good choice it took me a few times but um he's good and i never expected him to accept christ and be on this journey with me and so i'm very happy no well praise god yeah. praise god god is the god of new beginnings amen yeah so um in closing again anything else you want to share with uh, perhaps somebody who's listening here today that you feel like you didn't share um i would just encourage people to get to learn more about who god is mm. and um it's it's uh i know religion can taint the view of god and and people but just get to know him personally and you know one thing that really made a difference for me when we speak about god dying on the cross i felt like it wasn't for me. It was like for everybody else. And you have to make that really personal. Mm, that's that good. that's I'm included. He died Amen. for me too. Amen. That's and beautiful. once you see that, it's humbling to know that. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I just encourage you to, to really get to know who God is. Yeah. I, 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 I appreciate what you're sh- saying. You're saying that to get to know who God is, but then also to accept uh, the God that you're seeing for you personally. So... God is offering you forgiveness. We have to accept that uh, for ourselves. God is offering you unconditional love. We have to accept that for ourselves because oftentimes we don't feel worthy of unconditional love. But um, I read this author said, don't allow your unworthiness to hinder you from experiencing what God wants to give you. Yes. Right? So, and that's what you've done, you know, and that's what I think you're trying to encourage the audience today. Um, and, and sometimes we have to take action. We can't expect God to do everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always feel like some people um, view God as a genie in a bottle. He just does everything for us. We have to take action. And sometimes, like in my case, I do not see God working. And sometimes we have to really meditate and think about it and look back and see where He was present, where He was there. Um, so we, it takes action. We, we need to do our part. Mm-hmm. So. That's, a, that's a good thought, too, is to do some reflecting yes. on how, where we saw God last. Yeah. And um, perhaps we didn't see God, but if you didn't, didn't see God in the past, then take the opportunity to, to see God. He's there. Yeah. He, he, he's there. And we want to encourage everybody who's listening today to, to follow what uh, you know, Abby was sharing, to seek God and give God a chance in your life. Uh, open up your Bible and uh, the best place to start is in the life of Jesus because he came to share, share with us the true picture of God, mm-hmm. that God truly is love and that he loves each and every one of us and that love will transform your life. No matter what the place you find yourself in, no matter how dark it is, God can pull you out. God can heal your broken heart. God can set you free. That's who he is. Uh, seek him and hold on to that beautiful God 
because he is for you and not against you. Amen. Thank you so much for You're sharing welcome. your story. And God bless each and every one of you.